It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the weekly Football Digest podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. So much to talk about. Wow, what the title race is becoming really exciting. I have to say, there's been so much midweek action um, to go out, so plenty to discuss, and then also look forward to um, for, for the weekend. Delighted to say, joining me is, is Simon Mullock and Andy Dunn, our own personal advert for Walker Shortbread this morning. So uh, nice to see you both, um, guys. What what a week, actually! Um, what a week of fixtures, and it's been fascinating to watch, isn't it? Really, I mean, there's been plenty of um, standout stories. Manchester United getting annoyed. Um, uh, and then and then hitting back with a victory. Uh, Chris Wilder making a bizarre return at Sheffield United. I was there to see that. But I've got to say, the, the result of the week surely has to be Aston Villa 1, Manchester City 0. Simon, where does this leave City, Pep Guardiola and City's title challenge? Um, listen, I think it might be a bit too early to to write, write them off at the moment in terms of... Um, a title challenge, but um, I, I I'm going to be quite intrigued to see how Pep solves a number of problems that he's got. Um, it it that performance last night reminded me of his first season at the club, where he was basically asking players to do to to perform roles that they weren't capable of uh, of performing. And it was uh, it, that that first season. I always remember it was very hit and miss. I think they won the first six or seven games, and then the, the wheels came off slightly. And I always remember that um, there was a, a, a game at Leicester where they they lost four two, but I mean they were four 0 down at one point. And uh, Pep was challenged, and he and about the, the the lack of kind of tackles that his team was putting in, and he said, "I don't coach tackles." That performance last night reminded me of of, of that kind of game. Um, listen, I think City should have beaten both Spurs and Liverpool. And I just w- wonder whether those two result- results have damaged the confidence a little bit because, I mean, that was a, a 1-0 battering last night. They-, they were absolutely second best from first minute to last. And um, like I say, Pep's got a few problems that-, that he needs to address. I mean, he's brought in Guadio, one of the, the best young centre-backs in-, in-, in world football, and played him left-back. Now, we know that's kind of typical Pep to a certain extent, but we saw earlier in the season when City went to Wolves um, and he came up against uh, Neto 
and Neto really took him apart that day. And we've seen in the last few weeks, he'd been up against um, uh, Kulishevsky. Um, and last night, um, it was Leon Bailey who gave him a torrid time and, and eventually obviously scored the winner. So he's got he's got that to address because I think he's asking a player to, to play in a role that he's maybe not quite capable of, of of doing at the moment when he's up against the top winger. I mean, Chelsea got joy down that down that flank as well when uh, when City had that draw at Stamford Bridge. And because of that, because Guardiola's a, a, a player that doesn't sort of bring much to the attack, he's asking Kyle Walker on the other side <laughs> to change his role and, and get forward more. And that's leaving City exposed down the other flank. Um, and the reason he's having to do that is because he's, he's crowbarred Julian Alvarez into, into the team. Alvarez plays inside. There's no natural outlet down that flank. Um, and he's not really found a way of, of getting Alvarez and, and um, uh, Haaland uh, to play in tandem. I, I think the most concerning thing from City's perspective, though, is um, Kovacic and, and Matteo Matthias uh, um, Nunes must have sat on the bench last night, sat next to Calvin Phillips, saying, why on earth have we signed for the club? He had John Stones, Akanji, and um, young Rico Lewis playing in central midfield. That's three. That's three um, natural defenders playing in central midfield. Now we've seen Stones play that role before, I, I, and and I think Lewis is a is a fabulous player who can play in that role as well. Akanji looks like a fish out of water in that in that position. Um, so he's basically asking three defenders to play those midfield roles when he's got three big money central midfielders on the bench. And that, and again, that doesn't, you know, who am I to question Pep Guardiola? He's an absolute genius, but it just kind of smacks that he's, he's not confident that either, either of those three players can do the job that they've been brought in to do. And I think, I think Pep's got a, a lot of problems. I thought that was a, a performance last night that smacked of a team that, that has been drained of, of confidence and, and a team that, that really is, is, playing too many players out of position. I mean, the circumstances, obviously, they missed Rodri, Rodri, that, Rodri last night. They missed De Bruyne all season. But, um, yeah, that was, a, that was a worrying, not a worrying result because Villa have turned Villa Park into, into a fortress. It's a bit of graveyard for visiting teams. Anybody can lose at Aston Villa. But it was a manner of the performance. It was very unlike Manchester City, that. And, they, like I say, they were lucky to get away with a 1-0. Well, well, I mean, I, I must say, if ever for Calvin Phillips needs a reminding, the last few weeks has, you know, has told him, you know, if he'd rather, you know, it's not necessarily sort of kind of based on 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 last night, but just the last few weeks, it's, you know, a Kanji just doesn't look like a, a midfielder to me, and then basically Godavall, you're right, just doesn't look a left back, just looks like. You know, maybe, maybe this sort of Guardiola coaching masterclass will pay off and it'll come good. But, um, but you, I just you know. think it's, I think it's interesting, John. You know, it, it, listen, Pep, Pep had a difficult first season and then basically, basically took a wrecking ball to the Premier League, you know, won five out of six. You know, we, we, we talk him up that he's a, he's a, and I, and I do believe this, that he's, he's, he's the best coach in, in football at the moment. I think it's quite nice when, when, when coaches of that stature get, a, you know, they've got a few problems to deal with and it's not all going smoothly. And I'm just intrigued to see how we kind of get City out of this. What is a slump, you know, in the, for um, three draws and a defeat is a, is a slump for Manchester City um, 
these days. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how Pep deals with it and and, and what answers he's got for the problems that are on his plate. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting. Um, we'll, we'll we'll wait and see. And Andy, do you think that you know? I mean. Uh, I think we're all guilty at various points of writing City off, aren't we? And then basically they'd come about February and they hit top gear and they time it to absolute perfection. Are we kind of just making that fatal mistake again and that basically City come good? Or or tell me, is there a wider issue in that if you win the treble, how on earth do you raise yourselves again and is that part is that part of the problem? Because they've just been they've just been crowned the best team. I would argue in the world, you know, let alone just Europe. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think we've said it several times here. That that's that's obviously a natural thing when you've hit those heights. That and and, and I remember we when we spoke to Jack Grealish down at, at one of the England camps earlier this season. He's he, and he pretty much said us the same thing. You know, he he said, you know, you turn up and and you think, you know, great. Well, what now? Um, that's why I actually think, you know, strange enough, I think. They might have, I wouldn't say different targets this year, but, you know, I think the Club World Cup will be important for them. You know, and I think if they, a lot of people maybe decry it, but I think the Club World Cup will be a target for them. They've won the Super Cup. Um, it might be that the, the, they even end up prioritising the Champions League defence this season ahead of the title. Because going back to your original question, are we guilty, would we be guilty of writing City off too early? Well, yes, of course, we know that because history tells us they can go on a run. Does this squad and this team and Guardiola in this mood look like they can put together that sort of run? No, they don't. Now, now, obviously, first things first, Aston Villa were magnificent last night and Aston Villa are on an incredible run in Villa Park. I think that's 14 consecutive um, home wins, which, you know, is home league wins, which is which is a remarkable statistic. And I've seen bits and bobs of them a lot this season. And they're, they're, you know, under Unai Emery, they are exceptional. The result wasn't a surprise last night, nor would it be a surprise if Aston Villa turn over Arsenal at Villa Park on Saturday. So first things first, credit to Aston Villa. Did we see this result coming? Well, we could have, because, you know, I, I genuinely think, and I have seen an awful lot of City, and listen, Simon has, has uh, made a, a, a comprehensive analysis of what's gone wrong there. And I agree with every point he's made, absolutely, particularly the central midfield area where Calvin Phillips' issue now is just becoming, quite frankly, it's sort of, it's verging on cruel, to be honest with you, but you know how many players get in ahead of him. However, over the whole season, Premier League season, I'm thinking, you know, they've been good in Champions League games, but, it, it, you know, it wasn't the strongest group. So over the season so far, and I've seen a lot of City have I seen City at their absolute best? Have I seen City at the sorts of peaks they were at last season or indeed in previous seasons? You know what? Maybe for one-half football, I thought second half against United, against Manchester United Old Trafford, they were really good. Really, really good in that second half against Manchester United. I thought that was, that was the City of... Oh, I was going to say the City of old, but the, the City of recent seasons... They look like that. And a lot of that actually went under the radar because the focus was on Manchester United's mediocrity. However, that is the only time I've seen City. I've thought, you know what? That is a vintage City performance because since then, I haven't really seen it. Again, I think Simon's point that they probably should have beaten Liverpool, probably should have beaten Chelsea um, and Spurs 
Um, but you know, they're just conceding too many chances. Um, they just looked, yeah, they just looked to have flattened out a bit. It's as simple as that. You know, sometimes there's no all those details that Simon said are correct, but also they just seem to just it's a plateau at the moment in terms of physical um combat as well in the game. I think they're struggling a little bit. So yeah, it is too early, John, to write them off. Obviously, it's too early to write them off. And, and I think Jurgen Klopp didn't he said at the game, I think he said if anyone's writing off City, that's sort of joke. But do I think this now at the start of the season, I didn't think they retained the Premier League title, and I believe it even less now. You know what? They just had something. It, it, it made me wonder last night who Pep was actually talking to when he um, he said that on the eve of the game that if City continue to play how they are playing, they will win the title again. I just wonder where that was a very strange message for him to to send out. It's very unlike Pep to to sort of make a statement like that. I wonder whether he was talking to the players, whether he was trying to give the players a, a confidence boost and he can, he's, he's sort of identified that maybe the belief that they've had over the last four or five seasons isn't quite isn't quite there. And I just wonder whether he was trying to talk, talk the players up publicly to kind of motivate them rather than, you know, put, sort of t- warning any uh, any of City's rivals that, that they're, they're here for the, uh, the fight. Um you know, it made me wonder last night when I saw that performance. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Yeah, I will, I will come into it. Yeah, I was going to pick up on this. Brian makes a good point here, just to say it's too early. He agrees with Jurgen Klopp, and I think he's right. Brian, basically, it's too early to write any team off at the moment that would definitely rule out the possibility of City having another exceptional season. Obviously, compared to last year, I think, when they, when they, when they win the treble. But, I mean, blimey, I just, I just, you know, I think City is such a magnificent football team to watch, you know, and we learn so much from 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 Guardiola and Guardiola's tactics. I do feel as if they'll, you know, I do feel as if they'll roar back at some stage. Um, and and they're brilliant, fun to watch, aren't they? And they're amazing. And um, but I do think it, anyone, I still think the challenge is because I think whoever finishes, if anyone can finish above City, they're guaranteed the title. It's as simple as that. And then in in that. Vain. We've had also the morning for a message from Annie Horton, our regular friend. So we'll definitely come on to you, Liverpool's chances, um, and what we think of those. I think they're in the race, but a Villa in contention because you know their home form is quite exceptional. The job that Unai Emery is doing is back to his days when he 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 
you know, was at his very best in, in, in Spain. And, you know, he's had some peaks and troughs in his managerial career, but he's operating at optimum Unai level at the moment, isn't he? Are they in the in the race? Andy, you're not, not looking convinced at all. No, I know. I'm, I'm convinced. Sorry, that must just be my uh, my general look. <laughs> I'm not convinced all the time, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> no, that's me. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, listen, I wouldn't say, are they, are they in the in the race? Well, would I back them to win a title? No. But I've just got a sneaky feeling. I mean, I just have a sneaky feeling that and maybe it's just optimism. Maybe it's just hope that we might have one of the most exciting multi-team title races in recent history. I really do. I, I, you know, I, I see teams. And the reason I say that is because there's so many teams as well. With City now not being in their dominant form and not looking like they're going to get back to that type of dominant form. Um, with that being the case, I genuinely think there's so many teams around who can take points off each other. This is in the top sort of third of the league. You saw it last night, obviously, Villa beating City. But I think then, you know, Newcastle will beat teams. Spurs will beat teams. Then you've got Arsenal, Liverpool and City. Manchester United on their showing last night, you know, they can, they'll beat teams. They don't normally beat big teams. That's probably the first time last night they beat so-called, you know, what we'd call a blue chip team, a what we would consider to be um, one of the big six for quite a while. But they're getting, I think they will get better. They will take points off people. So I think there'll be points taken. It's certainly not going to be 95 points. I mean, I, I read a story the other day about Art, when Arteta saying, Miguel Arteta saying, you know, we'll need 100 points. Absolutely, they will not need 100 points. I can guarantee you they will not. Uh, you know, listen, I'd be surprised if. I wouldn't be surprised if if even, you know, mid-80s, late-80s might win this particular Premier League title. Because you rest assured, for example, if City don't go on the type of run they went on last year, they will, last season, they will still, you know, win a lot of football matches, taking points off other teams. I genuinely think now, um, the bookmakers wouldn't agree with me probably, but I genuinely think now you cannot, you can include Aston Villa in that mix. Listen, John, I'm not being funny. If they're winning every single home league game like they are doing at the moment, then that's going to put them there. I mean, that will put them, you know, right in there with a say. They'll say, oh, yeah, the top four is realistic. Of course, that's realistic. But I see vulnerabilities in all of those top teams and I see strengths in them. So that's why I think we, as I say, it might just be pure optimism and hope, but I think we might have the most exciting title race we've seen in a long term. Well, yeah. Does, does Villa, Villa's form, home form, um, Simon, make them, you know, the real deal? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't see them as winning the title. I, I see them as finishing top four, which would be incredible. And what an achievement. I mean, but, it's, uh, it's, am it's I wrong? very rare that a team comes from absolutely nowhere to win the title. I mean, le- obviously Leicester did it. Uh, I, I can't think of anyone prior to that. Uh, certainly in the in the Premier League era, that have come from you know just come from out of the blue to win the title, but they are they are now a formidable team. There's absolutely no doubt about that. To to do what they did, no other team has done uh, done to Manchester City what was done last night. Apart from maybe a few years ago when Liverpool um, took them apart in a, in a Champions League game at Anfield. Um, I don't think any any team has got on the front foot against City. 
for 90 minutes, it wasn't a, a, a 10, 15 minute performance. That was a 90 minute performance full of energy, full of belief. It, it was clear that every player knew what his, his role in the team was. They're, they're fighting for each other. They, they fought for every scrap. And I mean, you know, I, I remember uh, it wasn't long ago, there was question marks being asked about John McGinn, for example. Thought he was absolutely outstanding last night. Best midfield player on the on the pitch by an by an absolute distance, uh, and that's kind of uh, that that kind of illustrates that, that you know in in one player the job that Unai Emery's doing. Um, and listen, don't underestimate the fact as well, by the way, that the manager's got unfinished business in the Premier League. It, it, it's clear that he was he was stung by what happened to him at Arsenal. Um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of managers would have thought, you know, they would have been scarred by that experience and turned down the the chance to come back to England. But but Emery's clearly, you know, got this this kind of determination to prove what a good coach he is, and he's he's doing that at Aston Villa, and I think they're a fantastic team. Can they win the league? Probably not. Um, I don't think they will. I think it, that will be a step too far. But without any shadow of a doubt, if they continue to perform like that at Villa Park, top four contenders. Absolutely, certainly. Yeah, yeah. It's an it's an amazing turnaround for them. What 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 a job he's doing, Andy. What about what about Liverpool? I mean, I I, I was at Sheffield United last night, and the basic was a really workmanlike performance. No more than that. But lots of changes, lots of rest and rotating. Thought you know, Alexander Arnold was excellent orchestrating everything. Good putting balls on a on a sixpence basically, and. You know, I do. I, I I just can't believe they're in this position. I think it's a year ahead of schedule. And basically, Sabozla is one of my favourite players in the Premier League. I know he's been a little bit quiet in the last few weeks, but wow, he's a good player. And then basically, it'll be very good long term. But are they are they in the mix? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I just, well, you tipped them, of course. You, you, with I your did. crystal ball, basically, you called it. I, I did ahead of the season. I tipped them. I, yeah. I, I'm I'm impressed with the attacking options. Um, I like the signings in the summer, and I think maybe I'm not just saying this because he scored last night. Maybe the most significant element is Virgil Van Dijk's return to his imperious best, and that has to be you know that underpinned all of Liverpool's um, success, and it's back. You know, and with Van Dijk as the leader, with Trent as Stepping up into that role, stepping up into a leadership role himself, which I think really suits him. I think he's really maturing into a leader at that time. He's a guaranteed future captain of, of Liverpool. Um, they're taking responsibility. And even when Salah's quiet like he was last night, you know, they can still grind out a win. He's been quiet in the last couple of games and they've still ground out wins. They probably went overly impressive against Fulham. Or Sheffield United, two teams they'd expect to beat, but they've beaten them. I see a steeliness about Klopp as well. You know, I, I noticed a little bit of petulance after the game last night in one of the interviews um, on um, on TV. And in a way, that's not a great look. But on the other hand, you know, he's got that edginess back about him, Klopp. And I think he really does have, you know, I think last season would have hurt him. Um, I don't. I, I, I see them. I don't see that many weaknesses in the team. I, you know, there, there is the odd performance that is not impressive. Um, but I think, to me, and I saw Arsenal. I was down at Arsenal versus Wolves um, on last Saturday, and I was hugely impressed by by Arsenal for the first twenty twenty five minutes. Um, but I would just have Liverpool 
ahead of Arsenal in the running. Um, I'd have Liverpool personally. Yeah, I, I still stand by my view that I think Liverpool will win this Premier League title um, from Arsenal and City. I really do. I, I think you know they've got every right now. Liverpool's just to feel as though right, you know, we've got the bit between our teeth, um, and they can push on from here. Yeah, it's funny, you know, that that um, that post-match interview, because obviously at the game, you don't always see the kind of the TV feed and that sort of stuff, you know. And I think it was a sort of kind of, sort of intended to be a joke, wasn't it, for Marcus Buckland, basically your favourite 12.30 slot on Saturday. I'm not sure that humour always translates to a highly emotional manager immediately, immediately after the game. And the other thing that just strikes me was that basically managers, I don't think managers know in the heat of the moment which TV channel they're talking about or talking to or which channel they've just been on or which channel they're about to be on. Because, I mean, normally, look, I mean, think, I'm thinking of, you know, what a couple of weeks ago when they basically played it on Sky at 12.30. Well, that Sky, you know, it was shifted for particular reasons for 12.30 and stuff. But it's just one, it's just TV. It's not the channel, is it? You know, and so kind of, I actually thought, <laughs> don't make a joke there. It's not a good, it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't well timed. The manager doesn't care. He doesn't know different, differentiate between TV channels, does he? I mean, the, the, you know, sort of thing in the heat of the moment. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he probably, you know, sort of not recognizes pundits when he's called calm and collected, but you're not that after the 90 minutes. You're definitely no, you, 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 you're not. And it's Palace to go into, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and then like, I, I don't think it's a great thing to make a joke. And they go go into Palace Saturday morning. I'm not sure many managers would want to want to visit at that time in the morning. But there you go. <laughs> no, no, it's bizarre. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And then Simon, finally, of the contenders, Arsenal. So, uh, you know, I was at Luton as well, and they're basically 97 minutes. They, Arsenal did not play well. The goalkeeper was still such an issue. Uh, I mean, there's a consummate lesson in, in how not to handle a goalkeeper's in situation. Arteta's been brilliant for Arsenal as a manager, but he's got this one. He's got the handling of this one wrong. He might be right on the keepers. Who knows? Let's see. But basically, I, I you know, I, I don't think he's handled it well and he's made it such an issue and he's put both goalkeepers in the spotlight by, you know, by by not having a, you know, just saying, I, I want to give Ray a run of games. That would be easy, but now he's putting both in the spotlight. They're not playing at their, at their best, but they are top of the table and have got a margin. I mean, you know, is this going to be Arsenal's year, Simon? Look, Crossy, I'm going to make you smile here. 
I'm going to make you smile. I, I thought I didn't. I didn't see Arsenal being being champions this season at the start of the season. I thought the disappointment of last year. I thought it would weigh too heavily on them. I really did. I, I didn't. I didn't think they had the character in the team to respond after the disappointment of last year. Because you know, from from Christmas onwards. People, a lot of people at the Emirates thought that they, they were they were destined to win the title, and it, obviously it, it, it went wrong. So I'm going to apologise to Arsenal. I think they've been fantastic this year in terms of showing that character, showing that they have got the the stomach for the fight. Reminds me a little bit of, of Liverpool a few years ago when they went so close in that title race with City, got 97 points, uh, lost one game, and still finished second. And Liverpool came good the following year and and, and ran away with the title. And I think, um, you know, I see similar signs with Arsenal. When they're not playing well, they're, they're still a team that can go on and, and win games. We saw it at Brentford, for example. We've seen it a few times this season where they've got late goals. And last-minute goals, you, you can't kind of quantify what that does for a team's confidence. They, they always think they can win a game. We saw it again at Luton. Um, and I think one of the, I mean, it's obvious to say, but I think one of the, the reasons they've kind of got that steeliness about them is that they've, uh, is a signing of, of Declan Rice. And I think he just brings a, a determination to the team that maybe Arsenal just didn't quite have last season. He, he just brings a steeliness to the team and, not, you know, he's just such a great all round player. He obviously popped up with a, with a winning goal the other night. But, you know, Declan obviously got his, his first trophy with West Ham last season. But he'll be desperate to to put, you know, big, big medals on the on the mantelpiece. And um, I think he's just been in such a, a terrific addition. Uh, you're absolutely right. I think the only kind of question mark at the moment, again, about Arsenal is the goalkeeping situation. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think it's affecting Raya, you know, the fact that, Spot, you know, the fact that he's under the spotlight. If um, if he wasn't fighting, you know, fighting for his place with with, with a, t- a top goalkeeper like uh, like Aaron Ramsdale, I think he would probably would have settled into the team a, a lot lot easier. But as soon as as soon as Arteta made the decision to bring him in and make him his number one, then the, the you know the the focus was always going to be on him, and I I think he's he's struggling a little bit with that with the attention that he's getting. So uh, listen, if Arteta can. Um, can can sort that problem out if if Raya can 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 gradually find his feet, then uh, yeah, you know, I, like I say, I've changed my mind on Arsenal. I thought last season's disappointment would uh, would have been a huge blow for them to 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 deal with this year, but no, they've been uh, they've been very good, and yeah, they're they're the real deal. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be be interesting. What title race we're we're in, we're in for? Hopefully, fingers crossed. But um, and Andy, you did manage to sneak your way into into Old Trafford last night. Really, been an interesting week for Manchester United and the media, ourselves included, isn't it? Really, but um, you know, didn't like what United didn't like what people were writing this week. Um, you know, I I, I do actually think that basically often things are reflected in performances, and it certainly uh, it certainly wasn't a good performance at, at, at Newcastle, and then players get upset. But tell me, last night reaction. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a good win, isn't it? Really, for um, for United. <laughs> and then, if you look at the Premier League table, as I did point out that you know, I did a sort of paper review the other night. I did point out that in in November, 
they were the, the form team. I mean, they won three straight wins and kind of, I actually think that I may make a case of Harry Maguire being the player of the month, if you like, simply because they were brilliant defensively and he's he's been sensational. And yet it shows the spotlight of Manchester United and what they are, that two bad results puts them firmly in the firing line. But they responded, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They, they responded very well last night. It's tough. I've been saying this all season. I've been one of those who hasn't been particularly... Um, carried away by by their poor results. Um, I genuinely think that he will get it right. He got it right last night to a certain extent, and obviously, these this use of all you know emblazoning these ideas that they've lost so many games, which they have, but they've won so many as well. They just don't draw games. I mean, it's as simple as that. You know, it's okay to say, well, I mean, United have lost six games in the Premier League. Well, yes, well, they've won nine. They've won nine. They have 27 points from 15 games, three less than Manchester City. You can't, you can't ignore the wins just because their defeats are often defeats allied to poor performances like the one in Newcastle that was pretty spineless, pretty limp, um, pretty much surrendered up there at St. James Park, and that was the issue. The response, I think, was a combination. Was a combination. There was a response because the players were, you know, clearly the stories um, about player unrest and, and not being happy with Ten Hag. On top of that, you know, they were seriously pilloried uh, by by a lot of high profile TV pundits. Ex players were piling in on them to the extent where Anthony actually said, like, you know. The ex-players are out of order. They never have any constructive to say. And that sort of betrayed a, a, a resentment amongst them, really, that you could see from the off. Listen, I do think it was quite fortunate they were up against a Chelsea team that, you know, were really not very good and were really not very at it, so to speak. You know, they allowed themselves to be dispossessed too, too far too easily in that transition from defence to midfield. But United players, that's as, as vibrant an attacking display I've seen from them last night, even though in the end it was two goals from, you know, strikers still on scoring goals from, that's got to be an issue. McTominay with both last night. But they committed more men forward. I mean, at times it was almost like a 4-1-5 formation, maybe Amrabat holding and five pressing on, sometimes six pressing on. It left them vulnerable. And we all saw that Chelsea had like, you know, well, plenty of, of chances on the counter-attack, which they didn't take. Uh, mainly because that combination of Sterling, Mudrick and, and, and Jackson just, just didn't click at all. Um, but United were... The, the, I said that was as lively as I've seen Old Trafford. There was a siege mentality there last night. After all the hoo-ha about the journalists being banned, the stories of players and rest, the ex-players, you know, Roy Keane and people like that laying into them, you did feel as though they were out there bristling with something to prove. They, 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 they looked angry. They looked... And they well, they looked as though they cared for a start off, and of course, it was no coincidence that Ted Hogg dropped Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial. And I have to say, this is going to be an issue because without those pair, they look far better. And I have to say also that Rashford well, came windy, windy. Why? They looked more urgent. They looked. They looked the, 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 the work rate was high. You, know, you take Martial and, and Rashford out of that team. You're not taking out the two hardest workers. Let's put it that way, and that's being polite. They looked even Anthony was his work rate was high. They were absolutely at it. Without them, they looked to have an agency, a passion, you know. And that's those two players should be looking at themselves and thinking, 
they should have looked at that game last night, sat on that bench, and I include and mainly Rashford, and should have turned around and thought, like, hang on a minute, what's going on here? You know, this is. And then I have to say, when he came on for a cameo at the end, I can't remember the matter, ten or fifteen minutes, I don't know. He didn't exactly throw himself into it with the with a hundred percent gusto. I have to say, he really didn't. There was a time when I went past and he didn't track back, and that has got to be the template. Has got to be for United, absolute non-stop. That's what all these other teams. That's what you watch Villa last night. You watch Arsenal. You watch any of them, and it's that that is absolutely a given that you have to be at it all game. Tracking back, pressing high. You know, this is the modern game. I mean, you saw what Villa did for 19 minutes last night. This is the game in 2023, and they can't carry any passengers. And United didn't last night. So, yes, in answer to your question, they had a point to prove. I think they had a point to prove to their manager. They had a point to prove to the wider public. They had a point to prove to their fans, to ex-players. And to a certain extent, they did it. Of course, what happens with Manchester United, and the reason why... They've, I think, is it what one nine lost six? Is that you don't know what's going to happen in the next game? They they could easily um, um, play Bournemouth on on Saturday and put in the type of sort of limp performance that they did at St James Park. They could easily do that, but I think it's good they've got these three home games on the spin. Um, I think the atmosphere at United was good as I've heard it for a long time last night. Replicate that on Saturday against Bournemouth, and then of course the game against Bayern Munich on um, next Tuesday. So, yeah, encouraging for you, nice. You have to hold your hands up and say it was encouraging. Ten Hag in the press conference, um, he tried to keep a lid on his on his delight, on his bullishness, um, and how bullish he was about it, but he, but he couldn't. And, 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 and that's understandable. That, that really is. I think, I say it might be premature, but that felt like a bit of a... A resultant performance that could be a springboard for this season for for United, but again, I repeat, you don't know what you're going to get from one game to the next. So far this season, this should be a, a platform for them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, I totally, I, 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 I do agree. It's a, it's a really, you know, it's a complex one, United, isn't it? Because then, you know, let's be honest here. They've got the, you know, Bournemouth game quickly followed by a potentially a season-defining match against Bayern Munich. Because you go, you, you know, you have a bad result against Bayern, you go out of the Champions League, and the spotlight's back on you. I tell you, Simon, I just wanted to move it on with United in that basically the Jim Ratcliffe saga is becoming an absolute 
you know, I mean, it's 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 weighing them down no end, isn't it? I can't, you know, we can't have another story. He's going to take over this day. He's kind of take over that day. He's going to take charge and he's going to do this and he's going to bring in Dave Brailsford and he's going to be amazing and basically he's going to rebuild the team. I mean, all this uncertainty. I mean, it's just, it's just frankly bizarre. And I do feel as if, you know, Ten Hag hasn't just got to deal with disenchanted players in his defence, Ten Hag. He's also got to deal with what on earth's going on? Because I'm sure he has a, probably a better handle on it than, than we do, being perfectly, frankly honest in, in what he's being told, you know, clear messages. But it doesn't feel much more because what, what he's, is going on? You know, it's bizarre, it's, isn't it? That, that's, that really shouldn't have any effect in, in, the, in the dressing room. Well, he shouldn't, sign, but I, I, I tend to think on that. Them. But what he will have an effect on is uh, I'm sure Eric Ten Hag will, will have identified issues that will need addressing in January if United are going to kick on in the second half of the season. Now, you've got to ask whether uh, the fact that this saga continues to drag on is going to hinder those plans. Now, I'm pretty sure I'll be amazed if behind the scenes, you know, he's not already in conversations with people at Ineos about what needs to be done in the January transfer market. But, you know, how how far along can those plans be be pursued you know, while this sort of partial takeover um, is in the pipeline. So, um, listen, I don't think it, 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 well, it shouldn't have any effects on the, on the dressing room. I'm not, you know, we, we heard for years from, from various United players when they were protesting, you know, about the Glazers, that that didn't, that that didn't really affect them and couldn't affect them because they had absolutely no influence on what, what's going on in the boardroom and the, the battle between fans and, the fans and the owners. So, um, you know, I'll be, listen, will the players be looking at it? Well, they should be because it's their futures that, uh, that uh, you know, that will be in the balance one, once this goes through because uh, clearly Jim Ratcliffe has seen areas of uh, of the squad that um, that he's not happy with um, and that will need improving. Um, so, listen, I don't I don't think it should have any effect on the performances, but yet in, in terms of the, the long-term uh, plan that the club will want it wants to put in place. Of course, it, you know the, the sooner this gets sorted out, the better. What I will say, I was at Newcastle on Saturday, and that was, I mean, I've, I've watched United all my life, and that was up there with one of the worst performances that I've seen. Not not in terms of, um, uh, just basically in terms of effort. You know, they, they were they just didn't. They just didn't run. They just didn't at any point try to match Newcastle. Um, and when you see, um, you know, I know United are unhappy about stories that, that you know, there's disenchantment in the dressing room. But there should be disenchantment in the dressing room because they, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of, they, they look like they're lurching from one crisis to another. Um, like we see a result last night and suddenly it, it looks rosy again. But when you see Anthony Martial stood on the halfway line, sort of swapping a few choice words with the manager, then clearly everything isn't right at Old Trafford. And when you see just the, the, the work, the work rate that the players put in at St. James's Park, clearly things aren't, aren't right at the club. You know, the quickest, and this isn't a, a dig at Anthony Martial, but he, he couldn't get off the pitch quick enough when his number came up. Um, and you, you, you don't want players who, who are kind of, 
you know, happy to get to get off the pitch when when, when things things aren't going well. So um, that's the worry. I think that's the worrying thing from from Ten Hag's point of view is that when United are bad, they're really bad, um, and and a lot of the time it's down to just sheer sheer work rate. And um, you know, you can be beaten by teams, but to be you know just completely dominated in terms of effort. It, you know, it, it, it is never an option in the Premier League, and it can never be an option at at Manchester United. No, it is. It's it's fascinating. It's interesting actually. You say that that was Man United's um, worst performance that you've seen. I did actually have sort of a text with a Villa fan this morning who said it was the best Villa performance they've ever seen in their life last night. <laughs> United performance I've ever seen, but I just can't remember. I, I, in terms yeah, of no, sure, no, sure. I can't, I can't remember yeah. them being. Just being overpowered like that, you know, in, yeah. in terms of there was absolutely there was so, so little resistance that they uh, that they put up. I just thought it was uh, it was uh, it was worrying for Ten Hag. Yeah, I, I can't I can't judge that because I didn't watch all of it. I didn't watch all of it because I was in Hamburg for the Euros draw, Andy, and basically a seamless a seamless link there. But basically, we we move on to England and England's chances at the Euros. I mean, blimey, there there was uh, there was a few. Uh, Choice noises going on in 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 the draw hall, which lend itself, bearing in mind England, then have a fantastic draw to the obvious headline of the week, which never occurred, was yes, yes, yes. But I mean, it was, <laughs> but England, I don't know. I hate to say get lucky again because it's been more than luck over the last few years, but that got lucky again, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As as we used to call them the, the group of Defo, you know. I mean, if we don't get through that group, then, um, um, then, well, listen. If we don't get through that group, it's probably it, it, it's almost certainly the end for Gallant Southgate. Um, if you don't qualify from that particular group, listen. It just it it just does show, doesn't it? It shows the value, the importance of being seeded for a start off, doesn't it? And if you are seeded, then you've got the chance to get a group that looks favourable. Um, I don't think there's much else to be said about it in the sense that I don't I don't see listen, obviously Denmark, you know, we're we're we're, we're very staying opposition um when we play the, the Euros. Um but I just see this England team still developing. Um and and yes, I don't think I think the I mean, there's not much really you can look at negatively about that draw in terms of the location of games, the travel between games, the um, what the conditions are likely to be. Um, it, it, it's you're already at the stage where you're looking, and obviously you shouldn't do this, and obviously Southgate won't do this, and anyone connected with the England national team playing staff FA won't do it. But you're already beginning to look at what what might lie beyond the group. Now, clearly, that wouldn't do for for players to do that. No complacency, but yeah, it, it's it's a great draw. There's just no getting away from it. It's a great draw, and it in a way it does add a little bit of pressure because you know even before the draw, because of what's happened in previous tournaments, because of the ongoing debate about Gareth Southgate, the general opinion now, if you listen to the radio, watch TV, read our papers. The general opinion now seems to be that the only thing that will be good enough for a lot of pundits, a lot of fans, 
is for England to go and win Euro 2024. And it's a long time since we've actually said the only thing good enough for a major tournament is for England to win it. Considering we haven't won one in, whatever, 57 years, then um, then that's a bit harsh. But that's the way it is, John. The way it is now is that nothing but what we'll win will do. And this group draw only, I think, intensifies that feeling. So here's my theory. England win the Euros because I think they'll have the overall the best squad at the Euros. I'm, I'm firmly, you know, getting ridiculously chance. carried away. Yes, I know France, Andy. I know France. Forget forget all that. England got the best squad. I mean, this is I don't mind admitting that I've become a proper England fan when basically England are a yeah. tournament. So make no be scared of Calvin Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you won't be in the team unless he moves in, in, in January, pal. So don't don't you get negative. Don't you put your cynical face on. Let's have proper chat with me inside because basically my theory is England win the Euros, right? And then we then um England win the Euros and then then Gareth Southgate stays on for another crack at the World Cup thinking that that, that basically that's the that's the bit of unfinished business because that's the ultimate prize. So what do you think? Sorry, mate. I've got I've a problem. You I've got a barking dog in the background. I think we're getting a Christmas delivery. Um, one of the uh, you know one of the great benefits of working from home. So yeah, apologies for Bertie in the background. But um, listen, um, Dunny is talking about you know let's not look beyond the group stages. We all know John that off camera. You've got your Euro Euro uh, wall chart, and you've off camera, and you've worked out who we're going to play in the quarter, the last, you know, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, etc. And I'll be honest with you, last World Cup draw, every England fan and every England player looked at the World Cup draw, and then looked at who we could play in the in the group stage, in the knockout stages, and went France quarterfinals. So everybody will absolutely have tried to plot England's path to um, path to the final. Should we win it? Well, you, you can't ever say anything, you know, that, that anything's definite about a, a, an international tournament. But um, yeah, I'm with you, Crossy. I'm going for, a, you know, a, a England to finally get over the line in, in Germany. Um, I think we've got the players, um, uh, you know, in depth. I think we've, you know, we've got world-class players now in, in a lot of positions players who were developing, players who were getting even better. Yeah, and uh, I think, look, yeah, I, I'm with you, Crossy. I'm a, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, an half, I'm a glass half full guy and I think uh, England have got a, gr- a great chance in, in the summer. Apologies for the dog, by, by the way, so the concentration a little bit. <laughs> no, that's no, fine. That's fine. We'll forgive you. We'll forgive you. But um, there you go. So, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, we've got a message here from a certain Mr. Paul Abdel. Have I missed the Villa chat? Yes, you have. And we, uh, yeah, that's, um, uh, I'm afraid, yeah, I'm afraid to say you have. And basically, therefore, you've missed out on the same what an amazing job that Unai Emery has done and also what are Villa's chances of, um, um, of beating Arsenal at the weekend. But I do just want to finish on one last point, which was Roy Hodgson at Crystal Palace. Steve Cooper, obviously, under the cosh at Forest as well. I think, you know, I think this sort of kind of, the, I don't know, it feels like the walls are cl- closing in for Cooper. I, I, I un- cannot understand that. I, I, t- I think he does a super job. But Roy, really bullish, Andy, just to finish on Roy, really. I, I mean... If 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 Crystal Palace were to sack Roy Hodgson tomorrow, 
right? They'd go back and hire Roy Hodgson as the firefighters to keep him out of danger. They really would. I just think, you know, you, you signed up for this for another season with Roy Hodgson. Don't be ridiculous. Don't, don't, don't panic. Just, it's a bad run. It's a bad run of injuries. It's a hard run of games. Just, just see it out. Am I, or am I not preaching to the converted here? Um, well, in the sense that even gets to the stage where they think, you know, the decline in form is going to lead to a serious relegation battle, then I think they'd be quite, quite um, within their rights to, you know, to, to change the manager if, if they wish to. Listen, nothing has been particularly impressive about Palace under Roy this season. I find it ironic that, of course, the the jungle drums tend to be suggesting that if Steve Cooper becomes available, then he will be the man Palace would turn to. You know, and on the back of a five nil thumping by Fulham, I find that rather ironic. But listen, I just this Roy is clearly you're in a situation where whatever happens, Roy is not going to go for another season is he after this season. So, so is there really a difference if a suitable candidate comes along in the meantime and, you know, Palace stagnating at best, then if they go for a change, then I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't be overly critical of it either. I understand that Armit's getting circumstance for Palace. You mentioned the injuries, the key players injured. Yes, I know. But um, would I be surprised? Not really. Would I think it's a good idea? I don't think it'd be, you know, the most shocking thing that, that, that's ever been done. I really don't. And it'd be, it would be nice, obviously, for someone as distinguished um, and as celebrated as Roy to go out on his own terms, but that doesn't always happen in football. No. As Annie Horton here points out, he's like the Queen, which he, uh, <laughs> which Roy absolutely is. I, I, if you haven't guessed by now, I do love Roy Hudson, and I think he deserves a, he deserves a sort of a good, a good send-off. But I feel increasingly it feels like Roy Hodgson might, you, you know, end up, I don't know, talking himself into trouble. And then Steve Cooper gets the sack. And then Steve Cooper plays managerial merry-go-round and ends up at Sellers Park, really. And I tell you what, if that happens either now or in the summer, then, you know, Palace will get a really good manager and Forrest will regret it. Really will regret it. But let's see. Um, guys, so nice to see you. And um, uh, yeah, same time, same place next week. Hopefully. Cheers. <laughs>